bless you tonight. Let's bow our heads to him and speak to him. Great and mighty God, Lord, we've taken in the last hour or so, Lord, just give you glory and honor and praise. Lord, it didn't take very long to start singing, and your presence swept in the room, Lord, and started to change the atmosphere. Even in the pre-service, Lord, how great you are, Father. What a mighty close, Lord, there's just none closer, Lord God. How wonderful and precious you are to your people, Lord. Not one of us here tonight are worthy of such a presence, not worthy of such a grace and a glory, Lord, that you've bestowed in this little tiny room out in the middle of a corner of a, of a field, Lord God, but your grace and your mercy, Lord. We, we love you tonight, Lord God. We love you so much. We appreciate you for keeping your word. Lord, how great you are, how mighty, how holy, how God, what a mighty God you are. There's none like you, Lord, and we humbly bow at your feet tonight. I pray, Lord, for the next uh, amount of time, Lord God, that you would take these words, Lord, and Lord, just as you are so good, and, and just put it right exact where it needs it in each one of our hearts tonight, Lord God. For many of us stand here tonight with varying differing needs tonight, but you are the God that knows exactly what we need. You know exactly what we've been asking you about during the week. We know you know what you know what we were thinking on the way driving out here, Lord, and the, what you've had on our heart and what we've been struggling with, Lord. I know that you know this, Lord. Many times, Lord, you, you'll just speak and, and show exactly what we need. And we believe you that way tonight, Lord. Your word says where two or three are gathered in your name, that you'd be in our midst, Lord. We already know that you're here tonight. We can sense you in the room, Lord. We can sense the change in the atmosphere. <coughs> How excited we are, Lord, for what your word will do to us tonight. Lord, let it find good ground. Lord, our hearts are ready. The ground is good and teal, Lord God. We worship you with a reckless abandon tonight, Lord. Don't even know what time it is, Lord God. We just praise you. We give you glory, Lord. We worship you with all that's within us tonight. Speak to us, Lord. We love you, Jesus. In your holy name, amen. Amen, amen. <clears throat> God bless you tonight. If you can turn with me to the book of Jonah just while you're standing. Appreciate the Lord's mercy to us. I appreciate each one of you coming out tonight. One of the first nights of the, of the time change, and it's very dark outside, and and it's not, you know, perhaps the the most enjoyable ride. But but God knows your heart. He knows what you need tonight. You believe that? God knows exactly what you need tonight. It's not anything that I can give you. You didn't come here tonight to see anything that I'd have to 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 say, some kind of show. You come here expecting to hear from the King. And that's why we worship him here tonight. I want to read that from verse chapter 1, verse 1, all the way down to verse 6. <coughs> now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Again, he says that, from the, fleeing from the presence. <coughs> but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. 
Then the mariners were afraid and cried, Every man unto his God, you notice that's a little g, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship, the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. You may be seated tonight. That would be where we get our title from tonight. What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise and call upon thy God. What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise. We, we, we shared a lot in the, in the last amount of time how easy it is for Satan to just to lull you to sleep. Satan will get you distracted. He'll get you discouraged. He'll get you uh, even sitting back there on my phone on vibrate. I had some things, texts come in that Satan's trying to use to distract me even from what was going on since about, what, 6.30 or so, what God was doing in this room, trying to distract me and trying to pull my attention to pull me back out of this atmosphere, back into that world atmosphere. And it's easy to get lulled over, get mired down with the things of life. You got your job, you got your garden, you got all these things that want to take your attention and to pull you away from the things of God. And it's things that, that you honestly that you have to do. You have to have a job, you have to work, you have to, you have to well, there's things that a human has to do. You can't just become a Christian and sit on your couch the rest of your life. You have things that you have to do. You have to serve the Lord. And, and in serving the Lord, you go out and you work, you, all these different things, and it's a part of being a Christian. But there is a balance. There is a balance to each one of it. I've shared with you many times that, that in my heart, my desire, the reason I work a job besides to provide for my family is that it, it gets me from service to service. I, I have enough food to, to pay my house another day, to pay my food bill another day, to get me back to that service. And it's not just so that I can preach. It's so that I can be amongst those of like precious faith with that same pillar of fire where that he would speak to us. He would speak to us. I believe that with all my heart. I'm not saying that tonight just because that, that I'm the pastor or that I'm the preacher and other things. That's what I truly believe. And, and I appreciate him, him, him in, in doing that for us. Otherwise, we'd have quit a long time ago. It would have been discouraging. We'd have given up because there's a lot of discouragement that goes with this job. But we, we'd have given up because it seemed like nothing was going on. But like I said, ever since about 630 in here, this room has done been changed. And I wouldn't give it up for nothing. Satan couldn't beat me away from this with a stick. Couldn't do it. So he likes to discourage you. He likes to, I heard a brother, and I've listened to the sermon quite a bit. It's preached several years ago. But he makes a statement there many times, Satan is deadly with discouragement. He's absolutely deadly with discouragement. He will beat you up. He'll take your life with discouragement. Uh, I was sharing with, um, with just some of the different folks I got to meet over the last you know, a couple of weeks. And even, even while we had our, our fellowship there Saturday at the house and and uh, Sister Melissa and Brother Aaron was telling us about some of their youth when they come back from youth camp. I don't know what year it was. It was 2019, 2020, Brother Tim's youth camp. And they were talking about the many different things that they come back and were struggling with just coming from the youth camp alone. I don't know if that demon got mad or that demon got affected or that demon was just, it was just worse. It, like it had been called out, but it hadn't been defeated there. So they come back home and, and you had all these children coming back with, and again, it's just Satan is mad. Satan's a, it, it don't matter. It's not that, it's not that, I'm not saying that anything was wrong about there. I'm talking about Satan. He, he got a fight picked. He got beat up in many spots. So anywhere else that he, that he still had a little bit of victory and that he tried to, you know, scratch and howl and, and scream and, and all that nonsense. So they come back and they had their young kids are starting dealing with depression, suicide, all these different things. As a young child, I heard one guy say something here recently I thought was really interesting. And it's amazing how, how, 
how, uh, how rampant, how thick, how powerful in teens and younger, not just older people, but in teens alone, a suicidal demon has had such traction. Suicidal in teens and a child. This one, this one pastor was speaking, and he's not even a message believer, but he, he said this. He said, you realize that if you're 17 years old, you still live at home with your mom and dad. You have your own room. You have your own TV. They give you a car. All these things that you're fed every day, yet you still struggle with discouragement. You know that's a demon. You know that's you got everything you could possibly ever want. You know that's a demon. But Satan is always out to steal, kill, and destroy. Doesn't matter if he attacks me, doesn't matter if he attacks my wife or my children. Nothing is exempt. Satan is a lying bluff. It's a lying bluff. And it's very easy, and I've shared this with you in my own testimony, how many years that, that I just, just, just laid down, just went to sleep and did not, not do what I was supposed to be doing or what I was called to be doing. So it's very easy, like I said, to just get in the muck and mire. And it wasn't that I didn't get up each day at 6.30 or 7 o'clock and work and come home at midnight six days a week or five, you know, because we don't work late on Wednesdays. But many days, all those times, but it still wasn't awake enough to be at home for my family. If I'd come home, I'd stick my head in a TV. I'd stick my head into anything else that would pull me away from being in that moment. And Satan would use that to get traction on me and to lull me to sleep. Now, I'm not the only one here. I know because you fight the same enemy I fight. Whether it's on your cell phone, whether it's on your Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, MySpace, whatever it's all out there, Craigslist, it don't matter what it is. It does not matter what it is. Satan will use that to distract you, to get you away from the way of life. And the way of life is exactly that. It is a straight shot to life. Where there's no more death that can be abide. No more darkness can abide in it. Where there's nothing but pure light to be shined. And the thing about the bride of this day, it's meant to be pure light shining out from a reminder. I'm not standing here tonight preaching that we're in the evening time. The bride is not in the evening time tonight. The bride is at the rising of the sun. The sun, the sunlight, the S-O-N has risen with healing in his wings. He is here. He's opened his word. He's fulfilled it. And he's changing lives as such. We're not sitting in darkness. I'm not reading to you right now from the, the second and third verse of Isaiah 60 about what the world is. I understand what the world is. I understand Laodicea is still going out there. But the bride is not. She's been picked up higher in a certain place. And that does not be picked up higher without the groom being present to do such. It took a strong man to pull you up out of there. Now, there is, I don't have time. I don't know what the Lord will let us get to tonight. It's already at quarter till. But I always find that amazing. The things he'll let me say, the things he won't let me say. But blessed be the name of the Lord. He knows what he's doing. If we had time to jump in there in the scripture where it talks about that, that, that cry that's made for the ten virgins. You had your five wives. You had your five foolish. They were all asleep. The cry come out. Uh, awake. The bridegroom is coming. You understand? Awake. They were all asleep. They were all lulled to sleep. They were all complacent. They were all whatever that was. But, but the others, as they come forth, the five had oil. The other five did not have oil. We sang that song earlier, give me oil in my lamp. That oil is the Holy Ghost. That oil is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Five had the Holy Ghost. Five did not have the Holy Ghost. You understand me tonight? That's what it was. Five did, five did not. That, that's what, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of people, they don't understand the scripture, much less the message, revealed word of the hour, to be that, that what God has done in this day. That, that So many people think that the mark of the beast is a future thing. It, it'll only happen out in the future. It'll happen in the tribulation. That's not what the prophet taught. That's what the scripture says. The mark of the beast is the refusing of the Holy Ghost, which is Christ. 
So it's one of two things. You'll either take Christ or you'll take Satan. You'll take Lucifer or whatever you want to call him. It's, one, it's, it's only one of two things. You'll either take Christ and you'll move in that hidden life of Christ or you'll take the Satan, that mark, and you're marked away. And you're, you're locked away in that for all time until you know, the day of destruction for thyself. But when you've moved into that seal of life and you've moved in that seal of the Holy Ghost and it is a day-by-day thing, Satan will want to trick you that things don't get perfect right away, that you know, right away your life is better and no more struggle, no more, no more hard things going on. That's when things really get hard. And we had people say, well, it wasn't until I started going to your church and my life still really get hard. Satan is against you every day. He's against you every day. Maybe that would be a good sign if Satan's fighting me that he's trying to keep me off of something. If Satan, we, and the, the different mothers and ministers that have ministered here, you watch how that you get into a certain area and all of a sudden you get sick. And Satan wants you to keep you from not saying that. He'll get you in a certain area trying to make it feel awkward or maybe it hurt this feeling or hurt you like that. Satan will try to do that because Satan is constantly trying to keep anything of life to be said. But blessed be the name of the Lord. God cannot be defeated. God will have his way here tonight. So when that cry went out, arise, arise, come you out to meet him. Come you out to meet him. It wasn't to stay in your old dead denomination, to stay in the creed and the dogma. And it's interesting, I didn't, I didn't realize in my life uh, how much of that still would come over into a person that was raised for so many years in, in that life or in that world and that influence and that old dogma, that dead creed, it'll stay in there. Even once you've been justified, sanctified for the Holy Ghost, it still has to be bled out. It has to be pushed out. No different than if you had a cup and, and at the bottom of that cup was those dregs of death and, and those things. But you start pouring life into it, a good cup of clear water, and it pushes all that out. But you got to keep drinking. you got to keep drinking. you got to keep eating, and it will push that out. It doesn't matter if you sit in a church all your life and you're faithful to every service, but you're still carrying that old man. That doesn't help you, and it don't help anyone else that you're supposed to help. Wake up. Wake up. What meanest thou, O sleeper? We, we've seen just in these first verses right here that these men that were with him, they were not considered Christians. They were not considered Hebrews. They were not considered Jew, which Jew is not a bloodline. Jew is a set aside. It's become a bloodline because of those seeds, but that meant to be sanctified, set aside for the master's use. And if we make it to Romans 4 later, you'll, you'll see that where what God did through Abraham, and he made that promise, and it laid upon that one believer. And he was such a believer that God was so impressed that, that God could, can, can tell this man something, no matter how far out, no matter how out of this world or, or unimaginable something to be, that man would say, I believe that. I believe that. And it wasn't like you had somebody come by and interview him later. So you met with Elohim later earlier today. Yes, I did. Okay, what did he say? Well, this is what he said. Now, wait a minute. You're a certain, certain age. Have you, how many kids do you have up to now? I have none. How many kids do your wife? No, we have none. Well, didn't, you, didn't someone tell me that maybe you've been examining you're both sterile? You're probably both sterile. She can't have kids. You can't have kids. Neither one of you. you know, obviously, she did with Hagar. But, but neither one of them had a. There's sometimes that it's interesting how that you have a male seed. You have a male. You have a female. Sometimes that male has got a strong enough seed that if a woman is a little bit weaker in that area, it can, it can still impregnate versus one someone that's not. You understand. It's, it's, it's interesting how that works. Neither one of them can have kids. Okay. So he said what again? I believe that. He promised me that. See, that promise, 
That promise from a believer is not meant to be, um, I, I would say, we're not accepted as a group. We're not accepted as just this church, Word made flesh or simply. We're not going to take a rapture just because you go to this church. It's an individual affair. We're not Hebrew, we're not Jew, but as far as the faith seed, that exact individual seed, that's what's married to him. So, now we've talked about a marriage, and we've done said, arise, come out to meet the bridegroom. It's to come into a marriage. And it's not on the other side. The wedding takes place here. That is when you say, Lord, I do. I do what you say, and I don't do whatever he says. Now, I can't remember. It's in the COD book. There, uh, and they've got several different questions put in there. They're trying to you know, form that together from different, uh, different uh, messages. And I think it's in questions and answers on Genesis. They're asking Brother Branham in that same vein. And he says it plainly like this for me to paraphrase. You'll either take Satan's word about it, or you'll take God's word about it. And you say, about what? Anything. Absolutely anything. So you'll either hybridize. You'll either uh, uh, fornicate or commit adultery against your husband to whatever lie Satan tells. Or you'll go the way of life and you'll accept it and you'll call everything else that's over there as a lie. And you'll claim what he says to be true. So, for example, uh, I'm trying to think of a real good, uh, just a natural place. If you had someone come along. And say you had a husband and wife that got married. And they were married and she knew him. He met her. They were together. They're married. They're living together in such a union. And then some stranger comes up and starts telling her things that are not true about her husband and things she doesn't have access to. You know, this guy, she never met him before, but he walked up and started telling her lies. Lies after lies after lies. You used to have guys that would travel around for years as your, as your carpetbaggers, as your door-to-door um, -door salesmen and different things like that. Some of those guys would sell you, you know, they'd sell you anything. They'd literally they'd bark off a tree. They'd sell you anything. They were so polished, such a, uh, just a, uh, kind of that, that kind of a realm. They'd sell you anything and make you believe any tonic, any toddy, any, any little thing they had that this is going to cure everything. And you look at it, you're like, you know there's no possible way. Way, but okay, this man speaks good, I'll take it and accept it. In this realm, you have a liar, an established liar, a, a the, the father of lies, the evil one, and you've been already known well about him in your life. You've already been well taught about what he is, where he is, and where he's going, where he'll end. But the one that's married to you, this one is standing here with his arms wide open, his words saying, This is for you, this is true, nothing else matters but what I say about you. But it's so many easy, many other times to listen to the lie than listen to the truth. I thank God for his grace. I thank God for amazing grace. Because once you've been justified, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you know that he's called you, you know that he's changed you, you know that he's filled you, and yet you still make mistakes, this, this, holy, this holy one, um, was it in the quote of the day or one of the audios here recently, was talking about the Lord Jesus coming by your way. And that, that is, that, that'll blow your socks right off. He, he talked about, and he says that in many different ways, Brother Brown would say it in different sermons, that for this one to come by your way, he said if, if, if the king of uh, any famous country, any president, any governor called you and said, I'm going to stop by your house later, and, and I want to come see you by your house later, and you'd feel so honored and, and so humbled. And, and if when they showed up, if you didn't open the door for them or if you didn't even greet them, if you didn't make them feel welcome, they would leave offended. You won't even let me come in. And what if they wanted to come in with muddy boots? What if they wanted to come in with you? Anything like that that a woman would say, you're not coming to my house with that. What if they smelled like pigs? It don't matter. You're not coming to my house like that. And they would be offended. And you would, be, you would hear about it. And they would never come back. 
But the king of kings will come by your house. He'll come by your way day after day after day after day and yet still be refused. Now, even in someone that's his wife, because she's learning to wake up and be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, be sensitive to the leading of the Lord. Lord, I don't want that. I want you, and I only want you. I don't want to be attracted by the shiny and the glare of this world. I want that solid glow of the Holy Ghost. I want it to change my life. I want it to quicken this seed that's on the inside of me so that one day these atoms will be so changed and I'm just gone. I want to be awoke tonight. I want to be awakened by his word. I want to be quickened by his life. This is the message out of the angel, the angel in the commission, 1950. Brother Brown said, now just shake yourself a little bit. Shake yourself a little bit. Pinch your inside part. Pinch your inside part. He said, wake up. Wake up. What more could God do? What more could he do? He couldn't heal you against your faith no more than nothing, could he? And if you do believe him, you're healed anyhow. Is that right? It's your faith in God's word that he can heal you. Now, don't disbelieve. Have faith in God. Do you believe him with all your heart? We, if it wasn't for this prophet with a seventh grade education, we'd have never known, uh, never been put in such a light as this that he would say that if the Lord Jesus was standing in front of you in the same flesh that he died in, you told him, he said, you know, he'd say a lot in the very suit that he gave me. If he was standing here in that vain, same suit that he gave me, and you said, Lord Jesus, would you heal me? And he would tell you, I can't. I already did. I already did. I already did. I was preaching Sunday, and it goes with this, on about the full maturity of the word that's available in this day. The full maturity of the word that's available in this day. And I wanted to, and I know I've read this to you quite a bit, but I want to read this to you again because I, I've had some things that I went through this week as the Lord's been dealing with me, different kind of sickness that Satan's put on me, and I've, and I've kept constantly quoting this. I disbelieve Satan. I disbelieve Satan. I disbelieve Satan. I disbelieve Satan over and over and over to the point where I couldn't even barely walk. And I would say, I disbelieve Satan and I could walk again. I disbelieve Satan and I can walk again. This is in the Revelation of Jesus Christ of the church age book. He said, Jesus said about Satan, he has no part in me and I have no part in him. The devil would like to prove that different, but he cannot. So he does all that he can to destroy confidence in the word. You heard me tonight. He does all that he can to destroy confidence in the word. Confidence in the word. You understand that? This has been done to you. This hasn't been done to just this side of the room and not to this side of the room or to this side of the room. You understand it's been done to every single one of us. He's done this to try to destroy the confidence of the word. He's tried to make the word of God not affect in your life to where you would believe it. Well, I don't really think that is for me or maybe it's for a day gone by. Maybe it's used up. Maybe it's wore out. Maybe it's not for my life, but it is for you. It is for you. He would like to prove that different, but he cannot. He cannot prove it different. So he does all that he can to destroy confidence in the word. But here's where I got that from. But when the church disbelieves Satan, when he disbelieves Satan and believes the Spirit's revelation of the word, the gates of hell cannot prevail against her. That's a waking up right there. I'm not going to believe that lie no more. I ain't going to believe that lie no more. His word says this. His word is true. The gates of hell cannot prevail against her. Skipping down to paragraph 19, that same 
uh, revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, well, I, I'll go to verse, I'll go to verse, paragraph 16. He said, let me show you another reason why Satan hates this book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. And, and I've read this to you in the last few months, but, but every time I go back, I, I see something else. I see something else, and it's generally with what I'm going through right at that moment. So I feel the, the urge to share this with you. Let me show you another reason why Satan hates the book of, Revel, book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ in the church. Why does he hate that book? See, you, you have many people, you've heard this a lot, that Satan hates two books more than all. He hates two books of the Bible worse than anything else. He hates the book of Genesis. He hates the book of Revelation. book of Genesis tells where he come from, his fall. book of Revelation tells his end. See, Satan has done everything he can do to tear apart what actually happened in the garden. He has spent, if this was an advertising campaign, he'd have spent trillions upon trillions of dollars to try to, 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 to just lambast you to where you would think, oh, that must not have, it must not have really been a, uh, a, a, a you know, just a, it was an actual beast in the garden. It must not have been a sexual affair. Let's say it was an apple. Let's say it was a pear. Let's say it was an apricot. Anything you can to get you to disbelieve what God did and what Satan come at and try to change. Now, so keep that in mind when he says he hates the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. He hates it. You know, it's, it's so interesting that, that so, many, so many of the churches in the world, they want to stay away from that book. It's interesting. I find that interesting. I've only ever been in, in, in just the message. I've never, so I've never heard of that before. I've never understood that before. See, the, the book of revelation of Jesus Christ is the bride's book. You want to know what she looks like? Go look at the book of Revelation. You want to look what he did for her? Go look in the book of Revelation. Go look what he thinks about her? Go look in the book of Revelation. They're describing of her as far as the beauty and of all that God has done for her and that she's spotless and she's sinless. It's right there in that book. So Satan hates this book, absolutely hates it. He knows that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever and that he changes not. So your enemy knows this. We just read that with you, how that he knows that he has no part in Jesus, and Jesus has no part. He knows this, and he hates it, and he wants to change it, but he cannot. He also knows that the Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when the Lord Jesus Christ kicked him out of heaven, he's the exact same Lord Jesus Christ as he is right now. And it'll be the same Lord Jesus Christ that throws him in the lake of fire. Same one, same one, same one. Well, no, it's different. He got older. He's wiser now. Think, no, no, same one. He does not change. I read that Sunday. There are two immutable things. God does not change. He's the exact self, same one. Yes. Satan knows this. You know, these are things that we've struggled with. Even being raised in a message church my whole life. Brother Brown, that, that scripture was on meetings all over this planet. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. But still Satan can, can kind of come at you in a way, well, maybe that was the Bible. Maybe that's the future day. No, no, it's right now. He's the exact same right now in this room as he was any time in the Bible. Even before there was a creation. Exact self-same person. And your enemy knows it. 100% unequivocally knows that he's the same. Do you know that tonight? That he is the same. See, the prophet would say he knows that a whole lot more than do 90% of the theologians. They would tell him all the time, days of healing are over. All that died with the apostles. God doesn't do that anymore. But yet here he is. He knows that since God is immutable in his nature, that he's just as immutable in his ways. Thus Satan knows as surely that the original church at Pentecost with the power of God, which is Mark 16 in action, is the true church that Jesus claims as his own. All else is false. It has to be. 
all else is false. It has to be. No different than, we, we share that a lot with, uh, so you know them by the fruits. If you were only an apple farmer, if you only had apple trees, and you had apple trees as far as the eyes can see, and someone else comes to buy your apple trees, and, and in that they see a bunch of pear trees, and they're like, well, no, no, I'm here to buy an apple farm. And, and well, no, they're all apples. No, I'm seeing pears there. I'm seeing grapefruit. I'm seeing all those things. That's not all apples. Hey, well, no, no, you, should, you just go with it. No, no, I can see the fruit and tell you what it is. I can see the fruit and tell you what it is. So many times that Satan has watered it down to where to put it to where they put all that back in the Bible. They put it all back in the apostles. They want to say the apostolic age is over. That makes him not the same. That makes the Lord Jesus Christ not the same. If he isn't the same person that can come upon your life and change you to the point where your shadow would pass across someone and raise them up, then, then maybe he changed. Or maybe you're not quite there yet. Because he's the same. He's the same. And you will look like this. You will look like this. Now remember this. Christ is the true, Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. I'll stop right there. You got that up for charity? Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. Who believes that tonight? Raise your hand. You really believe that, that it's a continuation of the book of Acts. The prophet would tell you that, that they'll write another book after you, a book of Acts after you, of the exploits. If I had time to jump into what Daniel says about you, about the bride of this day, the people of this day, that he would say it like this, that know their God. And that's not just, yes, I know the Lord. No, no, I know him, and I am known by him. That's a husband-wife relationship. Those that know their God will do itly-pitly things. That's not what Daniel said. Daniel says great exploits. Great exploits. Or did Jesus change? No, he's still the same. Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. But the book of Revelation shows how that the Antichrist spirit would come into the church and defile it, making it lukewarm, formal. And here's the key word right here, powerless. Had an opportunity to witness to an apostolic Pentecostal brother. And we were talking about he was just coming in to start to see serpent seed and things like that. And I asked him, I was shocked that he was able to see it. And I asked him, well, how do you baptize? He's been a pastor. He's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, of course. I'm like, interesting. That's very, very interesting. Because if you can see, what the prophet would tell you, if you can see serpent seed and water baptism, you can see many things. We were sharing, we were talking about that, about that baptizing the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you don't get the power without it. You do not get the power, Luke 10, 19 says, without baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You do not get it. You hear me tonight? You do not get that power without being baptized that way because it's the true way. I was reading a couple of different, picked up two different books. Uh, Sister Denise and Brother Michael King brought us a big old tote of message books they've had. And a bunch of, some duplicates and other things like that, but was just grabbed two tonight as I walked out the door and was reading them and, and I think in both, in both of the one was in sixty, one was in fifty nine or sixty, one was in nineteen sixty four. He was talking about as he opened the service. He said, "We have this baptismal here. It's always open." He said, "It's always open." He said, "We have people that are Baptists come here. We have Methodists. We have Pentecostal, Episcopal, all of them to be named to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ." He said, "It's open twenty four hours a day. So they come here to be baptized in that name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where you get the power." 
So he said, making it lukewarm, formal, and powerless. You understand that Satan, uh, you go back to all the way back to the beginning that we have track of. We have uh, track of Cain right there in the beginning. Cain would have been beautiful. His dad would have been very beautiful. The Bible says that he was the most subtle beast of the field. He wouldn't have looked at him and thought, man, that's an alley-oop. That wouldn't have looked at him and said, man, that's just some gnarly looking thing. Or No, no, he would have been a very attractive looking beast. He would have been very, very attractive. You're like, oh, that's a, maybe a good looking specimen, maybe you would say. And that's what Cain was. And that's where a lot of people, I think he said even Josephus got mixed up. Josephus was trying to say that Nephilim come down and the you know, sons of God and found the daughters of man, found them to be fair, slept with them, had the giants and have that. That's not actually what it was because, again, Satan cannot create. You cannot take an angel and press into a human body and then bring a seed from that. It's impossible. He's not a creator. He's a perverter. So you're talking about that truth of what was there, that he wanted to tear it down to where that, that this guy that you think, well, because it looks nice, because he speaks well, because he's well polished, and he had the most beautiful sacrifice to present, the absolute most beautiful sacrifice. He had all these fruits, he had all these berries, he had all these vegetables, flowers, whatever it might have been. He walked up to the Most High, and the Most High blew it back in his face. But he's like, you don't want the prettiest thing there's ever been? He said, that's not what I want. And you find the mercy of God there that should stagger you. Mercy of God that Abel comes along, he's got a revelation. And Hebrews tells you about that blood of that token, blood of that atonement, of that covenant, that Abel, that revelation he had, how the blood speaks so much greater. He took that firstborn lamb, walks up the altar, takes a little rock, and he slices it throat, and the blood is pumping and bleeding all over the altar for redemption to give an offering and atonement for a temporary time in his day. God received that. And it's ugly. It's nasty, it's bleeding, it's, it's, it may be described as disgusting or, or not something you'd want to look at, but here it is, it's what God wanted. And he tells Cain, he said, if you'll just do like your brother, if you'll just do like your brother, I'll accept you too. And right there you find a very uh, a good fruit or a trait of serpent seed. Serpent seed, uh, Cain would say no. No. Won't do it won't do it. You understand that this wasn't a, we have the Bible in, in, in book form. We have the word in book form. We have it in tape. We have all these different things. This wasn't you reading it from the Bible yourself, you hearing it from this. This is almighty God speaking to him and telling him this. And it wasn't him like, who's talking? Who's talking? No, he knew who was talking. And he looked him right in the eye and said, no. Right in the eye and said, no. You see why headship is such a, a powerful thing for a Christian, why a Christian would lay down their rights, and you see that, 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 that type of Christ in them, that they will, they will yield to him. They won't withhold themselves from him. Paragraph 18, he said, exposes Satan. It exposes Satan. It exposes him. Revealing his works, it exposes Satan. Now, I'm going to stop right there again. Brother Ramble tells us in the prayer lines that any time that a demon is called out, that once it's exposed, it has no more hold. Once it's exposed and that thing has come out and it's been repented of, it has no more hold. He said this right here not just exposes a demon or a devil or multiple devils, it exposes Satan and everything under him. The Word of God in the book of Revelation, Christ and the true church, it exposes Satan, revealing his works, the attempted destruction of God's people and the discrediting of, the discrediting of God's Word. The discrediting of God's Word. 
right down to the time he's cast in the lake of fire. He fights that. He cannot stand it. He knows, this is your enemy now, he knows that if the people get the true revelation of the true church and what she is, what she stands for, and that it's capitalized, that she can do the greater works, she'll be an invincible army. Satan knows that. Your enemy knows that about you. You probably don't even know that about you, but your enemy knows that about you. So what's he going to do to keep you from putting your, 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 your waking up, putting your armor on to grab this? What's he going to do? Anything it takes. Whatever it takes. Well, he would never come out of this. Oh, here he comes. He would never do. Here he comes. What he wouldn't do. Oh, here he comes. Anything it takes to come at you to keep you on the, on the ground so you won't stand up and fight. If they get a true revelation of the two spirits within the framework of the Christian church and by God's spirit discern and withstand the Antichrist spirit, Satan will be powerless before her. He will be as definitely thwarted today as when Christ withstood his every effort to gain power over him in the desert. I like how that's worded. I like that awful lot. That's not leaving anything open for chance. That's not leaving any room for defeat. That's not leaving any room for you slipping up and falling down. That's saying, don't you get a revelation of that? It'll beat that demon dog down every time he comes at you. Beat him down. He said, yes, Satan hates revelation, but we love it. With true revelation in our lives, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us, but we will prevail over them. You believe that tonight? Awake, awake. Awake, awake. Wake up, thou mighty man of war. Put on your armor. Disbelieve Satan and believe God. Turn me over to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 11. Romans chapter 4, verse 11. He received the sign. He received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision, to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith, Walk in the steps of that faith of our favor, father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise that he should be heir, the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there's no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. All the seed. Not just one, not just some, but to all of the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead and called these things which be not as though they were. And I read all of that to build up to this right here. Who against hope, who against hope believed in hope. 
who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. It doesn't say he left room for doubt, that he left room for anybody. He was fully, fully persuaded. In the message, Who Hath Believed Our Report, 1951, Brother Brown said, Oh, Christians, he says this again, pinch the inside, mind, the inside man now. Pinch the inside man now. Wake up to the reality that Jesus Christ is here to manifest himself to you. And his present attitude now, his present attitude now is just the same to you as it was to them back there. You believe that? That his present attitude to you right now is the same as it was to them back there. But he can only do as your faith will vindicate or your faith will go to the Father and accept what he's already done for you. Don't live beneath your means. The sky is full of the real. Turn to 1 John chapter 3 with me. These are laying a foundation to something I want you to, if the Lord allows, to get to. 1 John chapter 3. Verse 1, the elder unto the well-beloved, I'm so sorry, I'm in 3 John. 1 John chapter 3, I knew it was in the Old Testament. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope, this hope in him, Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. This is the same thing that, that, that Abraham has so locked on to that God was so impressed with. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, praise the Lord, and in him is no sin. Thank the Lord that there was a worthy sacrifice. Praise the Lord. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. You should say praise the Lord to that too. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. Let no man deceive you. It's interesting he throws that in. Don't let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. This purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. For that purpose, destroy the works of the devil. I just read to you out of the church age book where he said this invincible army will thwart him, will definitely thwart him every time he raises up. 
every single time. This word of God, this life that God has done. Because remember, every scripture that speaks of the groom speaks of the... Come on now. So what's your purpose? What is your purpose right now? To wake up, destroy the works of the devil. might destroy the works of the devil everywhere he raises up everywhere he raises up destroy that thing you know that's interesting that's an interesting way to put it because again it don't leave room for uh, some and not all uh, let's do a little bit of it let's, let's, let's kill this one thing out let's, let's do this one part and, and just kill these Don't no kill all of them all of them you look back in the, the, the first church and the, the children of Israel, they was coming through. They didn't kill everyone. That was one of Saul's even problem. Saul was told, you kill man, women, children, beasts, anything moves. And he comes back and he has the women, children, the beasts. And he said, what are you doing? He said, I thought they could serve the Lord. You were told to kill every single one. The Lord, through Samuel, tells him, those same ones will raise up and kill you later. They'll raise up and kill you. They'll be your enemy later. They will be your enemy later. Turn to Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 11. It's hard to stay out of the book of Isaiah sometimes. You get to quoting all day long out of that one book. It's powerful. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 11. <clears throat> Lord, when thy hand is lifted up, they will not see. But they shall see and be ashamed. For their envy at the people. Yea, the fire of thine enemies shall devour them. Lord, thou will ordain peace for us. For thou also hast wrought all our works in us. O Lord, our God, other lords beside thee have had dominion over us. But by thee only, but by thee only will we make mention of thy name. It won't bow to any other God. They are dead. They're dead. All those other lords, they're dead. They shall not live. They're deceased. They shall not rise. Therefore hast thou visited and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. All their memory. That's a pretty thorough whooping right there. Thou hast increased the nation, O Lord. Thou hast increased the nation. Thou art glorified. Thou hast removed it far under the ends of all the earth. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 27. Verse 1. In that day the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent. In that day. Even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that's in the sea. In that day sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, do keep it. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it day and night. Fury is not in me. Who would set the briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them together. Or let him take hold of my strength. Let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me and he shall make peace with me. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Hath he smitten him as he smote those that smote him? Or is he slain according to the slaughter of them that are slain by him? Now turn over to chapter 29 with me, that same book. Verse 6. Chapter 29, verse 6. Thou shalt be visited of the Lord of hosts with thunder, with earthquake, with great noise, with storm and tempest and the flame of devouring fire, and the multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel, and even all that fight against her and her munition, and that distress her shall be as a dream of a night vision. 
It shall even be as when a hungry man dreameth, and behold, he eateth, but he awaketh, and his soul is empty. Or as when a thirsty man dreameth, and behold, he drinketh, but he awaketh, and behold, he is faint. And his soul hath appetite, so shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. Stay yourselves, stay yourselves and wonder, cry, cry you out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong deep. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, hath closed your eyes, the prophets and your rulers and the seers hath he covered. That day, that day, and the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed. This is obviously not your day. The vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. That is not your testimony. I pray. That's not your testimony tonight. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I'm not learned. Wherefore the Lord said, Forasmuch as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, Excuse me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Therefore, behold, I'll proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Woe unto them that seek deep counts. Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord. They seek deep to hide it from the Lord. Their works are in the dark, and they say, Who seeth us, and who knoweth us? Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it, He made me not. Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, you, um, He had no understanding. It is not yet a very little while, and leaven shall be turned into a fruitful field. And the fruitful field shall be esteemed as a forest. You understand it's growing now. It's coming back. And in that day shall the deaf, in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book. And the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. They'll see. You understand something's changing. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord. The meek shall increase their joy. What a, what a way to word that. And the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The meek shall increase. The meek shall increase. Now turn over to Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah chapter 52. All of that building up to this right here. You understand that, that Jerusalem was a type of the, the Jews and Zion is a type of the bride. The bride of this day is not a wimp. She's not a coward. She's not lazy. She's not running. She's not hiding. She's dressed for war. She's ready to fight. And she's going to beat anything that comes her way. Chapter 52, verse 1, awake, awake, put on thy strength, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust, arise and sit down, O Jerusalem, loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Turn over to chapter, verse 6 now, that same chapter. Therefore, my people... Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore they shall know in that day, in that day, that's this day, that I'm he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. How beautiful, how beautiful, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good and publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. 
thy God, thy watchmen, the ones that sit on the wall that watch and that guard and they give the first word, so thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, shall lift up the voice. They shall lift up the voice. I don't have time to get into Revelations 1 and 2 right there talking about that voice, that sound of many waters. Thou lift up that voice. It's one voice of praise. It's one voice of worship. It's one voice of the king. They'll lift up the voice. Thy watchmen, they'll all lift up the voice. And with the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. When the Lord shall bring again Zion. As fully redeemed, as fully restored, she's by his side. Mm. Praise the Lord. I read that to you on Sunday about the full maturity of the word has been brought back. The full maturity of the word has been brought back. If there was ever a day that you could see him eye to eye, if you could see him clearly, if you could see in the presence of the Son, it's right now. It's right now. Is That presence is available right now. If you turn over to Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, I'm just going back a little bit. Like I said, it's hard to get out of the book of Isaiah. Fear thou not, Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. For, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing. They that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shalt not find them. Even them that contended with thee, they that war against thee, shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. Because... For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not. In the message of the harvest time, 1964, Brother Ram says, Whosoever shall take one word out of this book, one word, or add one word to it. He said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word proceeding on the mouth of God. Live eternally by that word. So just as so as you have to have dead substance here to live by, you have to have Christ to live by here or you die. We take food, uh, whether it was an animal, whether it was vegetables, and we take that and we live by it. But you have to take him and eat it, otherwise you'll die. But that is your strength, that is your life, that is your protection. We said that Sunday about the word of this hour is for your protection. It is your, it is your comfort, it is your peace, it is your Lord Jesus Christ. It is what keeps you. It's what keeps you. He said, what is Christ? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we said that earlier, we, he's the same. As he was then. He's the same as he is then now. And you are the same written epistle. You are the same written epistle. One for one age back then. One for the other. For the light of that hour. They fell to see it. He said you'll reflect it. Turn over to Psalms chapter 84 with me. What a mighty God we serve. You know, if it was all me trying to tell you that we can do all this in your own strength, you can do all to do this, and you can live a good enough life, and you can, you know, you can all these things, you can be able to stand on your own. You know, you know very quickly that you wouldn't be able to. You're five seconds outside of His presence, and you're just knocked down. But with Him, but with Him, you can do 
all things. Psalms chapter 84, verse 5. <clears throat> Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca made it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength, every one of them in Zion. They go from strength to strength, every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Appeareth before God. You hear what that says? Appeareth before God. They in Zion, going from strength to strength. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointing. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing. Do you believe that tonight? You got your Bibles added by reading that? No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That kind of gives a template for your life. Well, if I do what I want, if I say the things I want, if I live the way I want to live. No, 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 that's not walking uprightly. You must live in his way. You must live his way. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. In the message of the masterpiece, 1964, Brother Ram said that now we find this perfect masterpiece that God had completed. He said now we find it. We notice that he was all that he promised to be. He was all that he promised to be. He's all the promises, all of the prophecies, everything that God had made a promise of, thy seed shall bruise the serpent's head. Now, he could not bruise it with the law. He could not bruise it with the prophets. But he did do it when the woman's seed become the masterpiece, Christ. He was the stone that Daniel saw hewed out of the mountain. He was the one, he was the one could smite. He could. He's the one that could bruise, bruise the serpent's head. His life matched exactly the life of Moses. His life matched David. He said, let's see if it was, if he's that matching piece. Same one. Same one. Every, every scripture that speaks of the groom speaks of the wife. You are that today. This is your job. This is your role. This is your purpose. This is why you're being manifested. And Satan's telling you, no, you're just here to have a bad day. You're here to be discouraged and beat down without joy, without peace, without love, without all these things in your life. He's still just a liar. Because he knows what you're here for. He believes it more than you do. So what do you believe tonight? What do you believe tonight? Do you believe what the Word of God says about you? Or do you believe what the liar, your enemy, your con man, the bluffer says about you at a thousand times per second? He's not true. He's not true. Turn it back to Isaiah chapter 62 and we can start to draw down to a close. The Word of the Lord is true. Absolutely true. Remember that, that Zion is always a type of the bride or his wife. Who fights for you tonight? Who fights for you? Chapter 62, verse 1, for Zion's sake will I not hold my peace. He said, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until the righteousness thereof goeth forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. You know, we say this a lot of times that you're not alone. You're absolutely not alone. It was his will for you to never be alone. You understand that? 
that he don't want you to be alone, that you're meant to be with him. This is why you were created. This is why you're designed. Now, he doesn't just want some immature little thing. He doesn't want something that's going to get scared and run away every time the dark, the light goes off or, or any little thing. He wants someone that's a strong, virtuous woman that looks just like him, that shines just like him, that, that, that all perfect love is burned, all fear out, and there's nothing but love that remains. But this is only way this can be done is if you let him come inside. And once perfect love has come in, it pushes all fear out. See, you're not by yourself. Satan all the time wants you to think when, when you're maybe away from the, 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 your people or the crowd or away from your husband or your wife that, that it's just you and now he can get you. You're never alone. And it's not just that you know, maybe a, a few hundred thousand soldiers walk with you every day. No, they're not strong enough. He wouldn't entrust a, a few hundred million uh, angels even. To, he wouldn't trust them to guard you. He walks beside you. And we've spent so much time in the last so much time saying that none can stop him, none can beat him, none can sway his hand, none can stop him. He just cannot be defeated. It's absolutely impossible. So when he tells you, I won't hold my peace. You know, when you pray and you ask your husband for something, your Lord, your Savior, your King, and you're not asking, Lord, I'd love to have, you know, asking a miss, you know, any little silly thing, but you've, you've surrendered your life. You've dedicated your heart. Lord, I, I have a need. And if it's not my need, it's for my brother or my sister or someone else. I have this need, Lord, I bring this need before you. And you've checked your motive and objective. I'm not saying, Lord, I, I wish that my wife would win the Powerball so that we could be rich. You understand motive and objective. What's the purpose of that? The Powerball, if you were to win that Powerball, you could be robbed by tomorrow and murdered and left in a ditch. That doesn't provide for you. It doesn't protect you. He's the one that protects you. He's the one that provides you. If you had all this money and could can have be able to surround yourself, you're miles deep, miles and miles and miles deep with the greatest army the world can ever have, someone could still get through and get to you. In a natural sense. And that's what Satan wants you to do, to put your trust in your natural, in all those things. But that's not where your help comes from. That can fade away. That can pass away. Those people will eventually die. They'll eventually give up. Maybe you run out of money, couldn't pay them no more, but he will never leave you. He will never leave you. So when he says, I will not hold my peace, you understand that he will fight for you. He said, I will not rest for Jerusalem's sake. I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness. Yeah, that's talking about your walk with him too. Because our righteousness when we brought him to him was as filthy rags. And the Bible describes what it means by that. It's very, very not a clean thing. It's not just, oh yeah, you wiped your car down and had a foot. No, no, it's, it's as, bad, as bad as you can think. And he said that's what it looked like to him. But he says that I will impart my righteousness into you and that that righteousness through you will shine out as bright and as clean and as clear as he stood there on the Mount of Transfiguration. You understand that? We read that to you recently. He stood there and the Bible says that his clothes shine so brightly, brighter than any fuller could whiten them, that anybody could ever clean them, that that light shines so through him. He is saying right here, I won't hold my peace. My wife will do that. He said, my wife, I will not hold my peace. This isn't someone that, that, that can't do anything about it. This isn't someone that, you know, you have a lot of times your old movies and westerns. You had the, the coward of the town and, and they're easily, you got something you want where well, they slap you and you go sit back down or, or someone else, they knock you back down. No, none can stop this one. This one, when he says something, it will come to pass or heavens and earth will disappear. 
absolutely disappeared. He said, I won't hold my peace. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all kings, all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hephzibah and thy land Beulah. For the land delighteth, the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. He said, I've set a watchman upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Yet they make mention of the Lord and keep not silence. They keep not silence. Let's stand on our feet tonight. We've had the musicians come. Fear not, he said, I will help thee. I will be with thee. It's easy in the, in the battle that we're in to get scared. It's easy to, to look at the waves, look at the fire, and try to want to cower back or, or draw back. But I remember tonight, you're not by yourself. You're not alone. You can make it. You're going to make it. He's done promise. And I've read all these promises to you tonight where he said, I'll bring it to pass. He said that. I'll bring it to pass. He can make it happen. Do you believe that tonight? I believe that tonight. It doesn't matter what I struggle with, God can overcome. He is greater. Our God is greater. You believe that tonight? Our God is greater than anything, anywhere, any place. When the Spirit of the Lord falls upon my heart, I will sing my David sang. Oh, when the Spirit of the Lord
When the Spirit of the Lord falls upon my heart, I will dance like David. Oh, when the Spirit of the Lord falls upon my heart, I will sing like David sang. I will sing, I will sing, I'm going to sing like David sang. I will sing, I will sing, I will sing like David sang. He's higher than the highest mountain. Deeper than the deepest sea, stronger than a locomotive, and faster than a bullet speed. He's wiser than a man named Webster, eternally a deity. You see, nothing stupid for God, no impossibility.
mighty God we serve, Lord. What a mighty king, what a mighty ruler, what a mighty Lord. There is none like thee, Lord Jesus. We say this over and over and over, yet still somehow your extreme amazing power can get common in our lives, Lord. We maybe think that it's not that big, maybe it's not that strong, but you are, Lord. Further than we could ever ask or think, Lord. There is not one thing, Lord, that's beyond your grasp. Lord, what a mighty God you are, Lord. I love you. I appreciate you. I love what mercy, what grace you have for your people, Lord. And so easily could have just left us to fend on our own, Lord, to try to fight it out or try to do anything on our own, Lord, but you came yourself. You came yourself, Lord, and, and you're making a difference. You're making a change. You're, you're guaranteed we're going to make it tonight, Lord. What a mighty God you are, Lord. What a mighty God you are. I pray for my brothers and sisters tonight that you would so build up their faith, build up their courage, build up their hope, build up their joy and their love and their peace, Lord God, to knowing exactly where it comes from and that you said they can have it, Lord, that your promise to us was yea and amen, Lord. Let us tap into that tonight. Take it home and use it for ourselves, Lord. Use it for our family. Use it for our loved ones and everywhere we go, Lord. Let us not live beneath our means. Let us not turn back to the weak and beggarly elements of this world. But remember that we're not from here, Lord. Lord, what a mighty God you are. Let us never forget it. Let us never forget, Lord Jesus, how mighty, how powerful, how wonderful you are, Lord. Let us never take our eyes off of you again. Let us never go to sleep or drift off or get laxed or get distracted ever again, Lord. But let us press toward that mark. Let us press toward that prize harder and stronger and more faith than we ever have before, Lord. Have mercy on your people, Lord Jesus. We love you so much tonight, Lord. We appreciate your grace and mercy. Bless our brothers and sisters as they go their separate ways, Lord. Let them go out, Lord, with your, your peace and your life in their hearts, Lord. Be with them as they travel home. Bring them back safe on Sunday, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus. We love you with all that's within us, Lord. 